I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on an extended version of Inside Sources today. Great to be with you, as always. A lot of ground to cover. As I mentioned before, we always want to hear you and uh, what's on your mind on the Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500. I forgot to mention last time, only when it's safe. No texting and driving. Safety first. And so I want to dive into this uh, issue that you've still got 24 candidates lined up on the Democratic side in uh, the run for 2020 for the right to take on the president, unless the president gets challenged, uh, which I don't really see happening. No one seems to be stepping forward there. So it should be a fairly smooth path, uh, path to renomination for President Trump. Uh, but there are some interesting calls on the left for obviously they want to get some of those candidates out of the race. That's always a goal is to winnow the field down so uh, it's not quite so crowded uh, as it gets into the fall. Uh, But there are some interesting calls. There are calls uh, for two candidates in particular, not just to get out of the presidential race, but to step into another race, to step into a Senate race. And uh, so let's, let's break those down just a little bit. Uh, First, you have Governor Hickenlooper, and uh, the governor is being called on by many in his own state uh, to run for the United States Senate. Uh, Again, the Democrats are hoping that they could flip the Senate, take control. uh, It is tight in the Senate anyway, Uh, and if Colorado flipped Democrat, that would go a long way for the uh, the Democrats uh, and Chuck Schumer to become the leader of the Senate. And so he's getting a lot of pressure that way, uh, that people just don't see a path for him. There's not really a lane for Governor Hickenlooper in a very crowded field. Uh, he is not likely to uh, be anywhere in mid-September. So they're saying, hey, just just shift gears, just shift from the, uh, from the presidency uh, to the Senate, and that will be good for the country. That will be good for the Democratic Party. So he's getting a lot of pressure there. Uh, one of the other uh, people who's getting that kind of pressure is Beto O'Rourke. The Houston newspaper, uh, the same Houston newspaper that endorsed the former Texas congressman uh, in his failed run against Ted Cruz for the United States Senate. That's the race, of course, that really catapulted Beto O'Rourke onto the national stage, threw him into the uh, presidential race. And and think about that. Uh, Back in January, uh, he was at the top of the heap. When it came to the Democratic uh, candidates, he he had a lot of mojo, had a lot of juice going, uh, was very popular, and he's just sort of fizzled and faded. And so a lot of people inside of Texas are saying, hey, we need you back here in Texas. And uh, the paper said, uh, quote, drop out of the race for president and come back to Texas to run for senator. So that would be a race against Senator John Cornyn. Uh, who is the majority whip. So he's still a very powerful uh, senator there in uh, on the Republican side. 
And they feel, uh, Democrats feel like Beto O'Rourke could give John Cornyn a, a run for his money and uh, possibly win. Again, if you had a Democrat from uh, Texas, that would be, again, going a long way for the for the Democrats to, to take the Senate back. Uh, and this is really interesting. Senator Claire McCaskill, uh, who lost her reelection bid in 2016, uh, excuse me, 2018, uh, she had some thoughts uh, for Beto O'Rourke as well. This is what she said. I say go, Beto, go home. <laughs> um, I, I really think that I, I think so many people are so focused on beating Trump. And they, it's the, the majority of our conversations are about the potential candidates and who's going to win the nomination. And, of course, it's because of where I come from that I understand how our government works. You guys get it. You've been there. The point is, if we don't get more Senate seats, this, it's going to be a Pyrrhic victory. It's going to be Mitch McConnell blocks gun control. Mitch McConnell, McConnell blocks everything, and he's loading up the most a very important part of our country with these right wing ideologues that are very young on the federal bench. So us taking the Senate is a big darn deal. Beto would be a really important addition to that effort, and I think you know sometimes you got to weigh how does your country need you most, and I honestly believe that our country needs Beto to run for the Senate in Texas. Very, very interesting perspective from former Senator Claire McCaskill, uh, who, again, lost her reelection bid for the Senate. And so she does understand the uh, the tight races that do happen uh, in a lot of places. And and I think uh, she is really expressing what a lot of Democratic leaders and those on the Democratic National Committee are feeling. And that is, one, we've got to conserve resources. Uh, two, if you had someone like Beto O'Rourke running in Texas, it would force Republicans to spend money in Texas uh, rather than conserve it and be able to apply it in places like Wisconsin and Iowa and Ohio and Pennsylvania and Michigan that are uh, so important, these these toss-up states that uh, tend to flip back and forth. So uh, really interesting perspective uh, from her. Uh, again, one more uh, quote from the Houston newspaper uh, that says uh, they need Beto O'Rourke back there, drop out of the race for president, come back to Texas, run for senator. The chances of winning the race you're in now are vanishingly small, and Texas needs you. Uh, went on to say, it wouldn't be easy. You'd have to fight for it and do better than you did against Cruz. But a lot has changed since 2018, and you had a lot to do with that. And Trump is no longer rock solid in Texas. Neither are the Republicans who support him. So really interesting from the Houston Chronicle uh, calling Beto O'Rourke to to bow out uh, and uh, to return to Texas and run for the Senate. Now, here's the interesting thing. Uh, we've just seen a, uh, a news flash that Beto O'Rourke is going to reset, <laughs> uh, do a reset button on his campaign with a speech in El Paso, Texas. Uh, coming up here, I didn't catch uh, if that's going to be later today or if that's going to be over the weekend, uh, but he's going to attempt to do the reset. And we're going to talk about resets a little later on in the program today. They're really, really hard. <laughs> and there are very few who have been really successful. Uh, there are some, so we'll take a look at those that were successful in hitting the reset button and reframing the debate and the conversation and moving their candidacy forward uh, but I think it's going to be really tough for Beto O'Rourke. I think it, w- it will actually be harder for him to hit reset from El Paso. 
because of the emotion that's there in the wake of the tragedy and the uh, shooting there in El Paso, Texas, I, I think it's a mistake, again, from a political strategy standpoint, I think that's a big mistake to try to reset your campaign uh, with with a backdrop uh, or in the shadows of a national tragedy uh, where funerals are just getting underway. You've still got a host of, of vigils and community gatherings and, as I said, funerals and uh, and different celebrations of, of those that uh, that fell in that tragedy. Uh, and so that's going to be a, a really fascinating test for Beto O'Rourke. And I think that potential reset is, as I said, going to be really a challenge for him to do. And I think he's chosen exactly the wrong location to do it because it's, it's really tough to reset a whole presidential campaign with that as a backdrop. Uh, because if you're going to reset your presidential campaign, you have to go beyond the tragedy uh, and the issue of of guns or violence in America or something in that space, you've you've got to turn and pivot to a positive message in terms of a vision. And I just think he's going to struggle there. I think that's a, a little bit of a mistake on his uh, consultants and strategists there uh, in terms of what should actually happen. A uh, couple other things we're going to hit today as we uh, as we cruise through again. We'll kind of break down the rest of the uh, presidential field. What's happening there? We'll do a reset in terms of what's happening on the mayor's race in Salt Lake City. Uh, there, uh, again, the the results from last night uh, not surprising to me, uh, and I don't think they were surprised surprising to a lot of folks who are really watching it close. If you were just kind of a uh, passing glancer at the race, you'd say, "Oh, well, it, you know, it should be a runaway for uh, former Senator DeBacchus because he has the name ID and uh, you know was so far ahead in so many of the polls." And that really misses the point of this kind of election. This was different. This is an off-off year. So not just a non-presidential year. It was also not a midterm year. It's an odd year, 19. (laughs) And because of that, polling is pretty irrelevant because you're dealing with a very, very small set of folks who will actually show up and cast a vote or mail in a vote in the beginning of August. And so because that voter pool, potential voter pool, likely voter pool in that kind of election is so small, it is all about organization, grassroots, discipline, knocking doors, day-to-day execution to actually get people to the polls. And uh, City Council uh, woman Erin Mendenhall was organized. She was structured. She was disciplined in her messaging and what she was doing. And she wasn't trying to compete. She wasn't trying to compete with billboards and trying to increase her name ID. She recognized that that was not the battle. Now, that will be more of a battle when you get to the fall campaign. And if that is Jim DeBacchus, then that does give uh, Jim, who also has a lot of cash, uh, an advantage going in. But uh, I I don't think that one's quite settled yet. I think it's actually going to get closer uh, between uh, former Senator DeBacchus and uh, Senator Luz Escamilla. Uh, and I actually think that Luz Escamilla could pull that one out. It's going to be really, really, really close. And we won't know that until uh, probably until we get till Thursday afternoon around 3 o'clock when that next uh, batch of votes will be uh, will be put out there. So a lot of ground to cover there. Uh, a lot of interesting battle lines will be drawn, I think, as we uh, move towards the fall. 
and uh, we'll we'll continue to, to monitor that here on KSL News Radio and and watch what's happening there. Uh, again, if you're just joining us, a reminder: we're going to have Robert Spenlove from Zion's Bank will be joining us at one twenty today uh, to break down what's going on in the markets. The Dow is currently down seven hundred and thirty points, so a significant drop there. He'll break that down for us: what that means, why that is, and what comes next. So that'll do it for this uh, portion of the program. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless and I will never understand it I will never accept it I'm Amy Donaldson and unfortunately we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives but what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt in a new podcast The Letter we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives the realities of grief and the possibilities of forgiveness I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.